this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Good morning. Let's pray one more time. Thank you, Father God, for your word, your precious word that you have given us. I pray that we would all hear from you this morning, that we would understand these commandments, that they would be alive in our hearts and our lives today. Amen. You may be seated. Good to be in church. I don't know what else you do with the kids on a rainy Sunday. Glad for church. (laughs) Like summer, it's like, yes, how good are we going to the church instead of the beach? But like a day like today, I mean, it's a no-brainer if you ask me. Off they go. Great. So, yeah, thanks to Matt and Sarah for um, this little installation. What a dream team. The creative, she made the tablets, careful typography, and then Matt meticulously hanging. This is exactly one space, the same of the thing. And Dream team. So we're wrapping it up. Ten commandments. Do you remember them all? Come on. Number one, no gods before me. Number two, idols. Number three, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Speak up, guys. Come on. Number four, Sabbath, is it? Okay, five. I can't remember them all. Five is honour your father and mother. Hud did that one. Six, hey. Okay, so we've got murder, adultery, lie, steal, or steal, lie. Number 10, what do we got? Do you know it? Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Each commandment serves as a foundational law for your understanding and connection to that thing. Like the first two are really a foundation for how we connect with God and our approach to God. And then it's like how we, our, our, our connection to authority and honour and then is sexuality and, and how we speak and the words that we use. And this one is like your connection to stuff. Everybody say stuff. Stuff, stuff. There's so much stuff. We've got so much stuff. It tackles your approach to stuff and with your neighbours. So covet is to strongly desire, a yearning to possess, take great delight in. It's almost like a lusting. The 10th commandment forbids irregular appetites and desires, which are the beginning of all kinds of sin and lusts of the flesh. Paul wrote this in Romans verse seven, chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. 
For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, you shall not covet. So he's making a broader point here about the way that the law works in relation to sin and why it's still relevant under the new covenant with Jesus. And that's, you know, why we're talking about it today. But he specifically uses this example of coveting. He's like, I wouldn't have even thought about this except that it's spelled out in the commandments. And it's true for coveting, right? Because it's, it's not necessarily something that we, you know, we're like, yep, yeah, don't murder, okay, adultery, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like coveting, it's like this sinister thing that can just play on in the background in your mind. But if you're not careful, it can really overcome. It is wrong to crave what belongs to somebody else. And this verse, this law, it breaks it down into all these different kinds of areas. Don't covet your neighbor's house, their spouse, their servant or their work would be like a sort of modern way of looking at that. Their ox or their donkey or their car or boat or whatever. Anything that belongs to your neighbor, anything that belongs to them, their their gifts, their their ministry, their lifestyle, their appearance, their schedule, their family or friendship circle, their personality or charisma. It's wrong to look at these things and want them for yourself. Why is that? Firstly, you sin against God. Because there's an assumption that what you have isn't good enough. What he's given you is insufficient and you want more. And rather than taking that to the Lord and asking or dealing with that, you're just thirsting and craving things that don't belong to you. And secondly, you sin against your neighbour. Covetousness involves two people. I'm not jealous of Beyonce. She might be jealous of me. I don't know. I don't know her situation. Maybe I'm on her radar. Maybe I'm not. But I'm not. She, she bought this $88 million Bel Air mansion recently with Jay-Z, her husband. It has eight bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, four swimming pools, and bulletproof windows. And I look at that with, you know, benign interest. It's kind of, it's interesting, you know. Wow. It's just like another planet. It's another thing. But that doesn't. I'm not, I'm not envious of that. Like, I don't cover... That would be kind of weird. I'd be like, oh, look. Oh, man, I wish I had four pools and bulletproof windows. Like, oh, she's so lucky. Like, that's just... You don't... That's too far beyond your situation to sort of feel anything. Covetousness is about the neighbour. It's like the person next to you, the peer. You live in the same area. You're doing the same thing. But maybe they're just a couple of whatever's ahead, you know, maybe they're just doing a little bit better than you, or you felt like you had sort of sacrificed more in this area, but now they've gone ahead, or you did the same degree, but then they got that kind of trendy promotion, and now off they go, and you were both single, and now they're not, and you, whatever, like there's, it's, that's where that sting can be, when it's your peer, and you're sort of like, aren't we on the same level, but then you're comparing, and looking, and coveting, and it's something feels unfair, 
And that's why it's so tragic because these are the people that we're supposed to be supporting and cheering on and doing life with. And this is why it's so incredibly sinister because it will erode relationships. And maybe you've seen this up close, sadly, where you're like, yeah, that thing got between us and they couldn't move past it and they can't even better look at me when I share good news now. You know that thing? That's... Proverbs 24 says, anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Because anger's like, it's there, they're yelling, it's all out there, but jealousy, it's like, it's very hard for a relationship to thrive under that, those conditions because you can't address it. It's this sinister secret thing that just brews and bubbles and it, it's really, really ugly. I remember... Um, Years ago, I worked at Aldi while I was at uni, and um, I had this manager who just, from like day three, pretty much, was just like awful to me. She's just like, I've sort of never had someone be so just openly rude, just rude to me, just just so blatantly didn't like me and was just rude. Like, just it was so, yeah, it was tough, and like <laughs> I just. I don't know, she was abrasive and snippy and like I remember one time the other manager that was on we were like, okay, we finished up this thing and like, because you do stuff in the warehouse at Aldi, you have, you carry, I loved it, I carried a knife and I had, what are they called? The hard shoes, <laughs> steel caps. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm still very, you know, like I've got this gear and I'm very into it. I loved having steel caps and then I kept them for years and Caleb's like, you don't, what are you going to, I'm like, I don't know, it's cool. But anyway, I finally parted ways with my steel cap boots. Um, so yeah, we wrapped up and then the other manager that was on was like, okay, well, yeah, there's no point starting that. And like, yeah, okay. So it was about 10 o'clock, like, oh, sorry, 10 minutes to the end of my shift. And they were like, yeah, I'd say just go now. Cause yeah. All right. Sweet. Thanks. I go into the locker room. She's in there like having a meeting with some regional person and I'm like packing up and she's like, where are you going? I was like, oh, so-and-so, the other manager said I could just wrap up because we finished that thing. And she was like, you can leave when I tell you to leave. And I was just like, okay, do you want me to stay? And she was like, no, it's fine. Just go now. And I was like, okay. So I left and I remember I left and I ran into a friend of, that I used to work with somewhere else. And she was like, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's okay. I got this manager. Like, I just, I don't understand. I told what happened. And she looked at me and she just goes, she's just jealous. And you know when someone says something to you and you're like, oh, that's true. Like that, oh, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. It was like almost like a word of knowledge or something. It was just like, that's what it is. And it was useful because at least I kind of was like, okay, that's what this is. And I was sort of able to kind of pray for and move through that with some compassion. But I did, you know, finish my degree a few months later and leave the job. <laughs> and she even made like this, oh, yeah, well, she thinks she's better than us now, so off she goes. I was like, okay, all the best. Like, But it was brutal because it's like how awkward and there's not much you can like do with that. Like it just, hey, it was just tough. And so... That envious thing is so ugly. Make sure that if you've got that in your heart and there's that person that you're just like a little bit too aware of or too sensitive about, especially when it's a neighbor or a peer or a family member or a, or a brother or sister in Christ, deal with it. 
take it before the Lord, get on your knees and repent of that sin. And you probably need to confess it to them too, because if it's been bubbling around, they've probably noticed you got to deal with it. And, and that can be humbling, but there's great breakthrough beyond that. And, and, and you owe it to that relationship, you know? And, and, and likewise, if someone, I don't know, you, these things need to be dealt with. And they can be. That's the thing. All this law, this, the, the point is that we have Jesus. There's, there's life beyond it. We can actually, he overcame the law. We actually can walk in victory. It's not like, oh, I know, isn't that horrible? What a horrible sin. It's like, and, and there's victory over it. That's what's so good. So Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It's like a circle. We're getting back to here now. Covetousness is idolatry. That thirsty thing. I want that. I need that. So... Four steps hmm, to combat covetousness. Number one, watch your eyes. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so a man's eyes are never satisfied. If there's an area of your life that you just can't quite sort of get that sense of contentment or satisfaction... Do something about it, you know. Matthew in Matthew it says, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. So, like, if you you know, delete the shopping app or mute that social media personality thing or stop buying those car magazines or checking out other people's bodies or like just go on a fast from that thing. Don't shop or spend, you know, see, do a big shop on a Sunday and then don't buy anything for the whole week until Friday. It can be done. To practice, like do whatever it is that you need to do, like the equivalent of cut your hand off. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's like, watch what your eyes are doing because there's a, there's a thing that they can just scroll, 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 want, 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 want. And, and we need to be sensitive to that. The second thing is watch your thoughts. We destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is the key to so much of the sin that goes on in the mind. It's like the thoughts trickle in. That's okay. They come in. Oh, man, look at that. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, thou shalt not covet. Bang, pop, get that thought, throw it to the ground. Oh, look, once again, off they go to Bali. Or they're, oh, man, they're getting feared. Or they're, oh, look, thou shalt not covet. Put it to the ground. Capture every thought. It's, it's quite a, it's actually, it's actually simple. Like, I know it's not always easy, but it's actually simple. We, we are in charge of what goes on up here. We actually are. And the Holy Spirit will help you and remind you and walk with you. It works. Capture every thought. The third thing is to ask God. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses ever. It's just like, don't worry, do this, the peace comes. And so you see things around you that you want. Don't fix your eyes on them and and let that covetousness spirit take over. But you can go... Wow, God, that ah, oh, I'd really love to do something like that. Like, is that you know? Take your requests to God. 
He is our loving Father and He so much wants to take care of us and bless us. Like, like legit. He's like, ask me. You have not because you ask not. Like, what do you want? Stop like fussing about it and come and ask me, you know? And then the peace comes. That's what I love about this verse. It's like, don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, pray with Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then there's sort of like a verse missing of like, he will give you what you want. And then the peace of God that's the all is like, you know, guard your heart and mind. It's like, it doesn't actually say that he'll always give you what you want, but you get this peace. And, you know, some of us, you have those requests that just, they feel like they've just been out there dangling. You're like, Lord. And he's like, hmm. And they're just sort of dangling out there. And it's like, but there's peace because I gave it to God. I presented my request to God. And there's a peace about what he's giving me, given me and maybe what he hasn't. And, and some of that stuff, maybe it's not for you or it's not for right now. But trust me, you can find a peace in those requests. I know of a girl who struggled with fertility and it was so challenging as it often is because then all around her, all her friends are getting pregnant, having babies and it, it, it can be quite painful and it can create some real tension in relationships, which is so sad because it's such a, a lovely, wonderful thing that's happening to this other person and then it's so awful that you feel like you can't, you know. And so she just thought, I, I refuse to, I don't want to not celebrate these beautiful things happening. I don't want to miss out on the joy around me. And so she sort of created this thing of like every time I see news of someone else getting pregnant or having a baby, it's going to be like a lamppost, like a light on a hill. Like, look, look what God did. Look what he can do. It's like actually rather than coveting and wishing and resenting, it's the opposite. It's like, look what he's done. Wow. And, and she used it to kind of actually build her faith. And she had a baby. She had a little girl. So I'm finding this actually really good lately. I've been like anything in my life that I'm asking God for, I also pray for it in other people's lives that it would be relevant to, you know, if you want like a financial breakthrough or like a healing thing, like then you pray for other people that you know that need similar things. It's it's really good because it's easier sort of to pray for other people. Like, you know, when you ask God for stuff, it sort of feels complicated and you're like, well, I don't know. And maybe I wasn't good enough with this thing and now you don't. But when you pray for someone else, you're like, well, God, I mean, they're great, right? Like, so... Should we, you should do it, right? And he's like, yeah. It's like, you, it builds your faith because you're like, yes, pray. And you, yeah, it takes it off you. And it's like, yeah, like that's like the opposite of coveting what your neighbor has is love your neighbor as yourself and pray for them to be more blessed and increase in blessing and walk in blessing. And that is the, the picture of community that we get to walk in. The opposite of like, mm, they go, mm, like uh. it's like, yes, look what happened. Oh, look how good. What a great holiday. Oh, send me the itinerary. Maybe I'll do that in 30 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and this is number four. Gratitude empties envy of its power. Gratitude, being grateful. Psalm 37, 25 says, I was young and now I am old. Frosty. (laughs) I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. 
I don't know about you, but that rings true to me. I'm not that old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen like, wow, they were, wow, and that it never worked out. And they, it's like, if you are faithful, if you are obedient, if you walk with God, He takes care of His children, and so. We must walk in the deep knowledge of that, that He is our loving Father who, who takes care of us. And I can't explain the mysteries of the blessing of God. There's promises, there's verses, the measure you use, the measure, you know, there's, there's different ways to look at it, but there is also that His ways are higher than our ways and it just doesn't always make sense. And you're like, wow, okay, look, good for them, okay? And I thought, but no, nah, all right, well, God is good. He is. And we must hold so tightly to that and so close to that as the reigning truth in our lives that He is good and He takes care of us. And that peace comes and then you're able to look around at all the other wonderful things happening and have peace and be grateful. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that a great verse? It's like a a paradox because the more content you are, the less that you seek out after things, the more you gain. You sort of have more when you don't go after it. So let's talk about desire. Because there's an argument to be made that the opposite of covetousness is to empty out all desire and sort of have a monk-like pursuit to subdue passion and become, you know, like an empty floating shell on the earth that's just neutral about everything and, oh, well, I desire nothing and, you know, I'm just neutral. But that's not actually how God designed us. And to varying degrees, we all have desire. Some of us are a bit more cash about the desires that we hold and quite easygoing about what they want to do or not want to do. And other people are, you know, really tuned in to what they want and how they want things to go and what time they want that to happen and who they want that to be with and what they want to wear while that's happening. And, you know, some people are quite particular about what they want. Those people often end up married together, which is great. (laughs) You don't have to guess which one of them I am. (laughs) Obviously married to a super high maintenance kind of guy like Caleb. But I just flow with him and he is very, very particular about what he wants and what he wants to happen. Whatever you want, babe, I just flow with you. (laughs) I'm really cruisy. (laughs) Easy going. Um, But, you know, like desire is not, it's not wrong. Actually, it's not wrong to want things. It's the covetousness is, is how you deal with how you want it and the, the spirit behind it and the, the, yeah, the, the feeling behind it. But just wanting something isn't wrong. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so there's actually two competing desires going on. And we feel that sometimes. It's like, what do you want? Oh, I just want to like, just have a free day and just everyone just leave me alone. And I just want to just 
not go off all the rosters and just do nothing and just have my own space and my own time. And, and you sort of want that. But then it's like, what, what else do you want? You're like, I want to be with my community and serve and, and make coffees or be on kids or I want to be... It's like you kind of want both because one's flesh and one's spirit. And that's so often the way. And if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we get to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and tune in to the desires of the Spirit. We have desires that are from God. They're desires of the Spirit. The Spirit has desires, and they are healthy and valuable and useful and important. So let's look at them. One of them, desire is connected to love. If someone has no desire, there's no way to express love like if you're just like hey we should get together and they're like sure do you do you want to yeah if you want okay like what about on friday yeah doesn't bother me okay <laughs> like can't wait like there needs to be some desire to connect some sense of enthusiasm or i i like you i love you i want to be with you i mean there's a whole book in the bible about romantic and sexual desire like God's really into that you know we need babies and connections and marriages and like that's the desire of the spirit in fact you know there's lust that's separate but there's a desire of the spirit for intimacy and connection and and being with one another and family and friendship and love that's a desire that is so healthy and we need to to actually express that you know to be it's like yeah, we're all so cool now, aren't we? It's all very like, oh, just, well, maybe, uh, maybe I'll come or whatever. Like, but it's loving to be like, I'm so keen. I can't wait to see you, you know? Don't you love it when someone's like that? They're like, I just, I love you. It's like, okay, thanks. Like, does, that's nice. That's loving to express that level of like passionate desire for another person, platonic or not, you know? And God uses desire to speak to us. The Holy Spirit can work with our desire because, again, if we're walking in the Spirit, we do not gratify the desires of the flesh, but that of the Spirit. And so it's a very useful way to actually understand uh, decision-making sometimes. You're like, all right, well, I could do this or I could do this, but I just, I don't know, I feel like I just really want to do that thing or like whatever, go to Lake Kijeligo or or be with that person or I really, I don't know, or the other way, I just... I don't know. It's, it makes sense, but I just don't feel like I should do it. That, that's the Holy Spirit. That desire, It's not like, oh, well, if I want it, it must be wrong, so I should do the opposite. It's like, no, if you're in the Spirit, that desire is probably the thing you should roll with. You hear what I'm saying? And I really like this in like work settings and stuff. Like what, whoever's desire is stronger should win. Like if you've got two competing ideas that are both pretty good, it's like, well, how strongly do you want this? And someone's like, I don't really, I'm not that bothered. I feel like it could be this, but I'm not, I don't really mind. And the other person's like, no, I really want to do this. It's like, well, let's go with that. Go with whoever's more passionate about it. Go where the desire is stronger. That's really useful. Desire helps to breed creativity. Like some of the great innovations of our time are from people that wanted to see an improvement, wanted to solve a problem, creative people that wanted to make something beautiful or have a, a great song to worship 
about this specific part of God's character or nature or beautiful Christmas decorations to celebrate or I that creativity needs a purpose it needs an outcome otherwise it can become quite idle and so it's that desire of like what do you want to see what do you want to have happen what do you want to enjoy and let that fuel your creativity I want to make this beautiful meal or I want to I want those people to be blessed or provided for let that compel you Frances Cosby, Crosby, does anyone know this woman? She was born in rural New York in 1820. And at six weeks old, she developed an eye infection that was um, completely wrongly treated by this incompetent um, doctor, and she was permanently blinded. So being blind in the 1800s is not a small deal. There's no education or braille or guide dogs. It's like it meant a very limited life and future. But her family read her the Bible, and she had a strong desire for God's word. She memorized entire books of the Bible. And at age 15, she was actually able to receive an education at a pioneering institute called the New York Institute for the Blind. And she learned to play several instruments and began writing songs. Uh, She campaigned for better education for blind people and as part of this became the first woman ever to address the United States Senate. She became a successful and highly sought-after hymnist and songwriter. songwriter. She went over to write over 8,000 hymns and songs, some of which are still sung today. And she just had this incredible life. She served during the... um, the cholera, is it cholera? Cholera epidemic. She did all this, like, from the age of 60 to 90, she did all this crazy street ministry in New York with all the sort of poor people and struggling. She married a a church organist who was also blind. um, And she died at the age of 94, which in 1915 was, like, unbelievable. And she just had this amazing life because she had a desire for God. She had a desire for more. She had a desire for people like her with her disability to have a better life. And so she went after that and it fueled this incredible legacy. This is one of the hymns that she wrote, which perhaps you'll recognize. All the way my saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through my life has been my guide? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my saviour all the day long. Isn't that great? What a great life. Just led by these healthy spiritual desires. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He puts desires in our heart and he also grants them. And so I think for some of us, we need to sit down and, and answer that question. What do you want? What do you want? Rather than dwelling in discontentment or dissatisfaction or being overcome by covetousness, sit before the Lord, your heavenly Father who provides, and say, this is what I want. This is what I want to see. And and dream with him. You know, so I really understand this idea now that I've had children of like, 
kids being like arrows, you know, like there's stuff that I'm like, that's maybe not even for me. Like they're going to go further than me. Like you need to dream on behalf of your family and your children. Like you've got a legacy to set up. So don't, don't tap out now. Like keep that flow, keep those desires, keep that growing in your heart. And the ultimate absolute key thing, our ultimate desire is to be with God himself. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. Covetousness is this horrible, thirsty quality of like, I want this thing. And that thirst is for the Lord. You know when like you're with a kid and they're thirsty, but they won't drink water and they're like cranky and wanting sugar or tea. And you're like, you're thirsty, drink water here. I should get some cordial just to like, hey, now you'll drink it. Like, it's so satisfying when they drink it and then you have it and the more you have, the more you want. You're like, oh my goodness, I was thirsty. I was dying of thirst. And some of us, our our spirits are like curled and dried up in the morning. It's like, please give me the word. Give me the spirit. That's what our soul is panting for. So make sure you quench it with this abundant water of life that satisfies. And that watch as that fills all those gaps, all that funky discontentment or covetousness or, or grit. It just, it can be washed away in the presence of his spirit. Our souls want God. Don't pursue anything before him. And that it's cool because it does, it comes back to here. Have no other gods before me. Don't have idols above me. Make your focus, make your pursuit the Lord and watch as ding, 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 everything else just comes into line. So Matthew 22, 34, I'll get the band up. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And so this is still relevant as we've totally discussed, but Jesus gave us a higher law. Love God, pursue Him, focus on Him with all your soul, your heart and your mind. And love your neighbor. That person that you're supposed to be walking with, don't covet or compete or compare, but love them, pray for them, encourage them, walk with them. And all this stuff will hang on those two ideas, how we connect to God and how we connect to one another. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that exciting? Let's pray. close your eyes right now. Thank you, Lord God, that you provide for us. You provided your son when we were so deep and dirty, covered in sin. And you provide for us now with everything that we need. 
Thank you that you fulfill the desires of our heart. I pray that we would come to you with our desires, that we would be led by spiritual desires and and run towards you, Lord, every morning that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that anyone that has struggled with covetousness or comparison or competitiveness, that they would just let that fall to the ground right now in your presence. That the peace of God that goes beyond what we can even understand would sustain them, would guard their heart and their mind from this sin, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you. We thank you that you are leading us to a life of holiness, walking with one another and walking with you. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Power in the name Jesus.